54 minutes before I win the lottery. So if we could just go ahead and do this before I'm ready. Yeah. Before I'm ready. that. I'm so pissed I didn't buy a ticket today. God damn I, have, it. I always buy when it's crazy amounts of money and I forgot. When the odds are the highest. When yes. It's yes. When lose. it's the no, least no. likely to win. <laughs> That's when I buy. <laughs> well, I'll okay. let you know how it turns out. I hope you win. <laughs> or I'll just I, completely cut us off. I uh, hope with all your heart. My no, you can all work at my center. Can I? Can I work, work at a, your center? Can I can break the walls because we can't trust her. To we'll be bringing back. We'll be bringing yes. back all the isolation rooms at Bath. Put ourselves in isolation. That's what I just said. We'll be putting them ourselves in them. Yeah. <laughs> can, can I work five hours a week but get paid for fifty? <laughs> as long as mine has like a hot pool, I don't care. Yes, hot pool. Like isolate me. Okay. Serious. What? Here we go. We're pausing. Hello and welcome to Table for Five with no reservations. Take a seat at the table for a fresh, sweet, salty, tart, and pleasantly bitter conversation. Thank you for taking a seat at the table. Tonight we are talking about guilt, guilt throwdown this evening. Get ready for it. It's something I know nothing about, honestly. Just kidding. I know so much about guilt. So we're going there. Tonight I have Jen. Hi, everyone. Jamie. Hello. Kim. Hi. Rachel. Hey everyone. And I am Tabitha. We are going to talk about the most fun feeling, <laughs> guilt, guilt, outside of grief. I would say guilt is awesome. Jen, do you want to go first and talk about this lovely feeling? Guilt. Sure. When I think about guilt and autism, I have two sticking points that jump out at me. One is her kindergarten year of school, and number two is medication. School, because I left her in a, an environment she should not have been in, and the guilt for allowing that to continue longer than it should have because I was a new parent, a new special needs parent. It was kindergarten. I didn't want to ruffle feathers. I didn't know how it worked. I didn't want to step on anyone's toes. So I have a lot of guilt from that year, a lot of guilt. And then, because I also feel it shaped a little bit of her school years and how she felt about it. Kaya was nonverbal in kindergarten. I don't know how much I've talked about it on the podcast. I've written extensively about it. Things like her feet were bound to the chair. They withheld water from her. Her education assistant had her all over Snapchat. That was kind of long before it was really, you know, sort of, you really shouldn't put people's children on there. There was a lot of things, inappropriate pictures were taken. So the guilt from that and how I know it made her feel now because she can verbalize it for me is gut-wrenching. And then medication, and I'm going to start by saying there's no shame in the med game. I'm talking solely about myself and my daughter's experience. I thought the doctors knew better. I trusted their guidance with medication with Kaya. When I say it almost destroyed her mind and body, I am not being dramatic. If you look back two years ago and you look at my daughter now, they are two completely different children. I firmly believe the medication made her rage. It made her aggressive. It made her depressed. It made her a shell of herself. She gained an enormous amount of weight. Everything put in place to help her was in fact harming her. And again, the guilt, there was a a pivotal moment. I went to give her yet another pill and she said, no pink pill, mama, please. And she could barely get the words out of her mouth as I put the pill in the mouth that knocked her out again. So it was this internal struggle with the meds are supposed to be helping her. These are doctors. They're supposed to know what they're talking about. I clearly don't know what I'm talking about. And this went on until actually my mother 
said, what the hell are you doing to that little girl? She was a completely different child. There was no reason, nothing left of her in that. So that guilt that I have for that time in her life as well will haunt me forever. Just like kindergarten, it haunts me at times. It's terrible. When I think guilt, I think of those two very pivotal points and moments in her life. Oh, it's tough. Really is tough, especially the looking back about choices, you know, because you don't know yeah. at the time, you don't know what you're doing, and you just try to do the best you can. Sometimes it's hard. What about you, Rachel? What do you think about in this sense? I talked a little bit about guilt in the grief episode that we did within the series. I carry the most guilt about not being able to help her fast enough. And I carry the guilt about like, where we live in 2022, many of the things that we're, we have access to, you can have greater access to more if you sort of fail out of that first setting. And that's true for school or like many things, kind of, you know, it's like something has to be shown to not be enough before you have more. And it's been hard for me because we've not only taken like, as a family, we've done everything that we could. I tried to give her more time. I tried to cut back hours from work. I tried to not work anymore. Like I've tried to connect with enough caseworkers and the school and the, you know, it's just like the pace of the systems makes me feel like if I could do better, she could be in a better place. If I filtered those people and didn't allow them to waste our time for 12 weeks when they were showing that they didn't really understand her at six weeks, you know, like there's all these things where I feel like I could cut back. Lately, I've been trying to put that kind of back into the systems that are broken or acknowledge that qualifying and access and all of those things are so separate so that it's less on me, but it's just, it's hard. Like those are the parts that are hard for me. I was talking to Billy though, and he was explaining to me like Jen, that he has this guilt about our medicine journey. Whereas I feel all of that rapid change led us to a more accurate diagnosis for her. Like it qualified her for the, like certain mental health stuff. So I don't know, I see it more in the big picture, but he and I both agreed that it's kind of those like super cringy moments that you look back and see Lee sitting on Santa, her hands are angsty, her body language is like, oh, you can see that this isn't crying baby on Santa. It's like abandonment. (laughs) I mean, like, how could you leave her in this state and walk? So there's like some early stuff that we can't change that like, we just didn't know what we didn't know. Mm-hmm. What about you, Kimmy? Oh boy. So a lot of the guilt I have is more centered around mothering, I think, than actually autism itself. The things that I feel a lot of guilt about is I feel guilty when I look back and I feel guilty about the other kids. Like I feel like with my son, especially because he's older than Alyssa by almost three years and just what he had to go through when we were dealing with the diagnosis and in the behaviors and just everything, everything that went along with it. It's like so much was put on him. Like he had to go downstairs and shut the door and lock the door to the basement. Where, where like that's where his playroom was. It wasn't like the sala. He wasn't like up <laughs> the sala. Because like she couldn't even tolerate him saying my name. If he said mommy, and you know how kids say mommy, you know, she literally would attack him. She would attack him and she wouldn't stop. And even though she was only two and a half, it sounds kind of crazy. It's like you couldn't even stop her because she wouldn't stop. So I would have to hold her and tell him to go downstairs, which I mean, 
is horrible. Like that, when you think about that, that's horrible. And just like a lot of the things that the kids had to miss out on, it's just like, I, f- I feel like there's just a real struggle to be the mom of a special needs child and be the mom of a typical child at the same time, because mm-hmm. somebody is not going to get what they need. And more often than not, it's not going to be the special needs child, because if it's not safe to have her somewhere, I can't have her there. It's not a choice where it's like a choice to maybe go to the park. Like we couldn't meet up with friends on a play date. We tried it one time and the younger brother woke up from a nap and started crying. I didn't really know it at the time, but a a big trigger for Alyssa, we did learn in time. She doesn't like the crying whining sound and she didn't attack, but she went and she pinched the little boy. He was like one and a half. She was like three, you know, we'd never got invited again. You know, it's just like, you couldn't do those typical things with her. And he was invited somewhere, even to a birthday party. And it's like, I couldn't bring her. And you can't always just drop them off with strangers. You know, it was just a lot of stuff like that. I feel guilty about, I mean, he's a well-adjusted adult, like he's fine, but it's like, even now looking back, it just hurts my heart, you know, and Mm -hmm. the girls kind of the same thing, but Alyssa was in a much different place by the time they were old enough where they remember that like, she could like be home with Neil. I could be doing stuff with them. We kind of were to the point where Alyssa could tolerate being out and be safe with both me and Neil. So I feel like they didn't have as much of it, but they still did have a, a huge loss. Like they could never really have friends over here. It's affected their ability to make friendships. It's, I can see that it's affected their adulthood or they're going into adulthood with like having social anxiety, having relationships. I think because they had each other, they didn't have to necessarily facilitate that outside of the house, but like, because they didn't, it's like, you know, I can just see the overall effect on everybody. And I just think that's one of the things I feel most guilty about. Although in my brain, I know that there was not really much I could do. We didn't really have family around that could help out. Everybody lived far away. Neil worked three jobs. I was here. It was just me with two little kids. Like, I don't know that there's too much I could have changed, but like he did soccer. And then one time Alyssa went after a little kid because they were crying. <laughs> it was it's kind of a common theme. I, I don't know why it took us so long to figure this out. I was like, did you figure this out before or after you had two more babies? I'm just curious. Um, <laughs> I think we actually figured it out after when Kara was about a year. But like it wasn't all the time. So I'm giving examples of times that it happened, but it wasn't like you could have months of this not happening. So she went after a little kid. And I was right there, right behind her. It came out of nowhere. And she like pinched him and knocked him down. And the father came and pushed Alyssa down. She was four years old. Yeah. And he was like not near his child. Like he was off talking to a dad. So he got to them first and then he pushed her. So then I, I was very upset, understandably. I had to pull my son out of soccer practice. I was like, we need to leave right now. I was like hysterical. Like, I couldn't even go back. I couldn't bring him back. I just, it was just a lot. He did end up apologizing and Neil went to the soccer game and my brother-in-law went to talk to the dad. He apologized and said it was just a reaction, but it's like, you're a grown man. You don't put your hand on a little girl, a four-year-old girl. Like, I don't know, maybe don't have your one-year-old far away from you. No, I mean, obviously I understand that would be alarming to anybody, but this is just like an example of like, now he couldn't do soccer because it was too much. And I think that's where a lot of my guilt is centered around. And then of course, sometimes I feel like I never really thought this just kind of sounds stupid now, but like, I never thought about like, oh, I should start working with Alyssa. I should like teach her this stuff. I should do this stuff. Like I do that stuff now, but when she was younger, like that never dawned on me to do that. Cause like she went to school, she had speech therapy, she had OT. So like, 
I didn't do a lot of that stuff with her myself. I don't know if it would have really even worked at that point because we could be able to get her to sit for a meal or to have a drink. But like, sometimes I feel like, I don't know, maybe if I did this or maybe if I did that, like maybe her prognosis would be a little different. But again, there's really nothing I can do about that now. It's just things that kind of creep in and I wish I kind of knew certain things that I know now, but like I didn't because I feel like when you're in the intense thick of it where it's stuff's happening every day and you just don't stop at all you're really not thinking of we should sit and do flashcards mm-hmm. it's like, yeah. you're just trying to like get through what through color is that thing you just threw at me yeah exactly well and you had three well, other kids blood is red yeah. three other kids you had four kids total i've always <laughs> said obviously i don't have the sibling side of it but jamie and kimmy have typical and neurotypical children i would always think that guilt would be there with the, the children right so you would feel very torn I would assume and also well, like you said the attention would almost have to go to the child that needs the additional needs and like I feel like sometimes it's like I put too much especially on my son because he was older I relied on him to help me do a lot of things because it was just the three of us she couldn't do anything so it's like he was the one who had to kind of like either do things or not do things or sacrifice and he was amazing with he loved her so much she like adored him Uh, it's not like these are just things that would happen it wasn't like this happened constantly every single day it just with her you just you just never knew and then when the other kids came I relied on him to help with them because Alyssa was a little bit better then but she was still really hard so he's you know over here at nine and he's feeding a baby a bottle because like Alyssa was like flooding the bathtub and now like all the water's going into the basement and like whatever, whatever is happening that I have to go kind of deal with that. As he's getting older, he's like helping with them because it's just a lot to juggle by yourself. And I just sometimes feel like, did I put too much on him? But like, sometimes I feel like I did. And other times I feel like it's just kind of the role that he took on and just the way that it was. And then as he got older, he would, he watched the girls. Well, he watched Alyssa after school, I worked. So it's just like, just lots of stuff like that. It's just really hard with the siblings. Like it's my child. So of course I have to make the sacrifice of whatever that means. Like whatever is being thrown at me because of autism, because of anxiety, because of whatever, I'm the mom. But like, they're not the mom. They, I chose to have a child. They didn't choose to have a child. It's just sometimes very unfair how much it impacts their life at different times but of course they all love their sister it's there's been some hard things that have happened and I don't know I just feel bad I feel bad about it I don't know if I could really necessarily do things differently knowing what I know now but like I said some days it's just survival survival of the fittest over here (laughs) and now obviously she's in a much better place and they're a little bit older and you know they all have a good relationship with her they all love her and stuff and spend time with her and all that stuff so it's just that natural thing that a lot of moms do just because we're moms and you just always feel like you could do something some part of it better but I don't know some days I beat myself up about it some days I'm like yeah I'm a pretty good mom <laughs> <laughs> yeah we all feel that I think for sure what about you Jamie yeah, so guilt's like I don't know guilt sucks I feel like it's part of the ongoing process of grief like we talked about in the first episode I think there's been like different levels of guilt for me so like in the very beginning when diagnosis came or we suspected that it might be autism or a developmental delay I took a lot of that on myself I think you want something or someone to blame and for me that was myself I like as far as like thinking that I did something wrong during pregnancy 
I still can't read like things about things, you know, random people say cause autism during pregnancy. And I know like most of those aren't true and they're based off of like ridiculous stuff, but like I felt so guilty in the beginning. Like I examined everything I did during my pregnancy and thought maybe mm-hmm. I did this, maybe I did that. And then also with Jesse, I've talked about before, it was very back and forth. Like we were kind of told borderline or we're not sure. The first doctors we kind of brought up a little bit of concern to thought everything was fine, but I felt incredibly guilty that I just didn't know as a mom and that I just didn't see it. Cause it's not like I'd never been around kids before. He was my first child. I had been around other kids and I did notice some differences, but I was like, he's just shy. I was a shy kid and just different things like that. And I felt horribly guilty about that because we got like basically an educational diagnosis when he was three and then not an official diagnosis until he was a month before his fifth birthday. And I felt horrible, horrible about that. Like as if I'd gotten the diagnosis sooner, we could have done more or um, a lot of things like Kimmy's talking about things you can't fix now. But Mm -hmm. looking back, I don't even regret that because we basically did what we can like even with the educational diagnosis he was in early preschool he was working with people I'm glad I didn't have him in like hours upon hours of therapy at first and I'm not judging anyone for doing that and I they're very possible that I could have ended up in that situation but looking back I'm glad I didn't because I don't think he was ready for a lot of different things it, it took him time to like learn to learn and be able to sit and like once that stuff came those the therapies and stuff really took off a lot more than had we been pushing those on him since he was one. And then after diagnosis and even during that time, like guilt of like, Rich kind of talked about like putting him in like situations that were uncomfortable that he clearly didn't want to be in. It wasn't like a normal tantrum or a, this is wholly uncomfortable to my entire body. I cannot stand being here and not just I'm hungry or I'm whining or I want something. And I didn't do that a ton, but looking back, I get a little sad about thinking about those moments and I just shouldn't have done them. Like, I just didn't need that picture of Santa. I didn't need, you know, like he was fine. And a lot of during that time too, was me trying to teach him things. Like I remember trying to work on things with him even before preschool. And when we were still unsure it was autism, like trying to get him to cut with scissors or just trying to teach him sight words and stuff on my own. And I would get so frustrated. And then the things that are like big guilt things, I think are for me is that lack of instinct. I thought I felt like I didn't have which I was just on a podcast talking about this, but how that's kind of shoved out of you, you know, like as a mom, you start questioning yourself right away. Mm-hmm. The things are told, especially with autism, they're like, oh, you had this wrong. You had this wrong. So you really question that instinct in yourself. And I, I still feel guilty about that. And I feel like just the overall guilt of like not being enough for him. And I think we talked about that. Mm-hmm. with the group. Like I wholly do not feel like I am built to be an autism mom or a special needs mom I don't know in some ways I can recognize in myself that like there's some ways I approach things that are good but there's been times where like I get so frustrated with him trying to do things or when his behaviors have been really bad I haven't always been the best about reacting the way I should like it's really hard to always be that calm Mm -hmm. person and I do truly feel guilty about that like never harmed my child, but I definitely haven't always reacted in the way I should when he's having a meltdown or he's being physical towards me. It's been really hard. Like I've had to leave the house before and just leave him with my husband and be like, I can't do it. I can't be here right now. And I feel pretty awful about that. So I feel like those are like my main guilters with Jesse. And then like Kimmy's talking about with my daughter, a lot of those things too. And I really work hard and I've made a real conscious effort. Like always having things with her. We, me and my husband 
both do different activities with her. She goes to like sports all the time and stuff like that. But I still feel like sometimes when we're out and about, me and my husband really both have to be on Jesse. And we're usually with other family members and she gets like pushed to the side a lot with other family members. And I think right now she kind of likes that because that's her special time with grandma or with her aunt and her cousin and things like that. But I miss out on so much with her. Like Mm -hmm. we were at Disney World in January and it was like, I was with Jesse most of the time because I'm mostly his person. And there was times I got to be with her and do some stuff with her. But I missed so many moments that I'm like, texting my sister like hey did you get a picture of doing this or you know like I was literally my mother-in-law took her to meet Minnie Mouse because she really wanted to and I was running across Disney World as soon as I could like hand off Jess to my husband to like get to her and it's like silly things like that I'm truly worried one day she'll look back and be like my actual parents were never the ones there with me doing those things and that that sucks and we do make a conscious effort to do what we can with that but there's just sometimes it's just not possible Mm -hmm. Well, thanks for the little cry here, James. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Disneyland, running through Disney. Our children are are so resilient, though. You know, they really are. And and I think a lot of it is, it's all they've known. So it's like, it's very normal to them. We know that it's not normal. They don't really know that. So it's like, we can take some comfort. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Something that about Celie, like she's living the life that she's imagining. She's right here in it. This is what she knows and what she has and siblings too. Like it's well, and I liked when we had Jess Ronnie on and she said that thing about her other children and how, you know, this is the hand they were dealt with. And I know that like we all have different trials in our lives. Um, but I think it's just the guilt of motherhood overall. And we'll see how she is about me when she's growing up because I'm sure I'll screw up her teenage years somehow. (laughs) And then she'll look back and start blaming me for everything. We're gonna be blamed for everything. I mean, right. I keep saying that like we're messing her up so bad, but we already know our therapist. So it's totally, <laughs> it's fine. We're just a couple Everything's... of people doing the best we could. Yeah. Tabs, what about you? I was just joking about the whole, I don't know anything about guilt. I mean, I live in guilt all the time. It's uh, it's one of my big emotions. I would say over here, I feel like with mothering specifically, um, it started out in a guilt capacity because my son was in the NICU for an extended period of time I felt like my body had failed him that I didn't have any control of that situation and I'm pretty sure this is common for women who have their kids in the NICU or who have like a traumatic birth experience so I started out kind of feeling like I had failed him from the very beginning and I remember the very first time I felt that like intensely we were at his one month wellness check after he had left the hospital or whatever the first one was after we left the hospital. And I was holding him for the first time without cords and without things that were attached to him, staring out the window of this beautiful hospital. And I just started to cry because it was like the first time that I actually got to hold him in that way. And he had been alive for like a month at that point, you know? So it started out for me with guilt. And then I know Jamie and Kim were talking about like the sibling relationship with neurotypical kiddos. Both of my kids have autism diagnosis, but I still have guilt for Nixon who's older and who has less sensory needs and less behaviors and less at this point in time, attention needs. Like we have so many safety things going on with Nora 
that a lot of the times Nixon has to kind of like wait or manage or help in certain capacities. So I have a lot of guilt over that, especially with this big transition. It's been really hard to do the single parenting and have focus on either one of my kids for an extended period of time. Sometimes I get it with Nixon after Nora goes to bed, but a lot of the time it's just like bouncing back and forth between the two of them and all of our activities get interrupted most of the time. So I have a lot of guilt about that. And then choices, you know, like choices about therapy, choices about pushing too hard, about letting people tell me that we needed to do certain things, especially with the gear back for Nora, since we've moved, her growth has been like real incredible. And it made me realize that maybe we were putting too much on her for her body. And like, she needs a slower pace in order to have her mind available to learn and to have space to do that because she takes in the outside world in a different way than Nixon does. I think the therapy and the programming for Nixon was excellent. He's very social. He needed to be around his peers. And we kind of made similar choices for Nora that maybe weren't right. And then, you know, I talked about this on the last episode, but obviously I have immense amounts of guilt about this divorce and the separation of our family and the fallout of that and the struggles and all of that. So, you know, it's a heavy burden, (laughs) the guilt. And I think a lot of times our guilt centers around like looking backwards and wishing we knew something sooner when it was impossible for us to know it at the time. Like I couldn't have known that my son was going to be a preemie or born early. And I couldn't have done anything to prevent my body from doing that. But I still feel like immensely guilty about it uh, or a lot of guilt about it for a long time. And I also had guilt that he had so much pain when we actually brought her into the picture as like a second child, you know, that was really hard for him because it had just been the three of us. So I think looking back about choices, it's almost impossible to not have guilt as a mom because you can't all the time do everything and you only have a certain capacity of patience. Like the challenges of raising two kiddos with additional needs is like almost impossible some days to have enough patience to make it through the day, especially when I'm doing it for 15 hours by myself on certain days without a break so I feel like of... guilt runs with anxiety too yes like I feel like that yeah. that like escalates it because when you have anxiety part of that is that you're always like analyzing stuff and second guessing stuff and sometimes you catastrophize stuff just in your own mind so I feel like if you struggle with anxiety it's like you just feel guilty about a lot of things that really just aren't in your control yes like when Jamie was talking about like you know not reacting the right way or you can it's like so easy to step back and like see that, but like when you're in the mix of stuff like that, it's whatever it is that's happening. Like it's very easy to be like, oh, I could have done this. I should have done this. But like when it's happening, you don't have that capacity to like analyze it in that same way because no. it's like, you're not, it's it's really, in, you know? I can't make another choice. I don't see another option. Yeah. It's always in hindsight, right? Yes, it is in hindsight. And that's where the guilt comes. Like, I wish I could have done something different. Mm -hmm. And I do, I did want to say too, that when your child's nonverbal or non-speaking or whichever way you want to say it, there's this layer of guilt that you can't understand them in the way that a mom should be able to understand her kiddo. And I think I hold a lot of guilt in that sense. That's something for me too. So Jesse was and I always say that Jesse was never completely non-speaking, but by like 
medical standards he was. He was not communicating. He could say a few words, never practical language to us. It was all either scripting or like he could count or he could do this or this. So we heard his voice sometimes. He could sing songs. That's really how he started talking at all was by singing like five monkeys and stuff. Um, but for a long time, up until very recently, it was not communicative. And even now it's like not at a typical seven-year-old level yeah. at all. But that's a huge thing for me right now that I didn't even think about when you said that it reminded me is like, there were so many things I assumed mm-hmm. that this meant that, or when he was doing this or that, it meant he needed this or this. And now I'm like learning because he is a little more verbal and communicative that I was completely wrong in mm-hmm. some ways. Some ways I had it right. (laughs) You know, your kid. And like, I do feel like, I still feel like we have like a really great connection that way that I can read him very well. But Mm -hmm. there's some things I'm like, I was just really wrong about. Like there's things I thought he really liked. And that's why like he was quiet and willing to be there. But then it's come to find out that he does not like those situations at all. Like, I don't know if I've ever said this on podcast, but I've talked about this a lot before when we went to like a German market here um, downtown and like, he loves Christmas lights and all this different stuff. And I, I knew in those situations, it was always hard for him to warm up to being around other people. Like it always takes like 45 minutes or hour to warm up to like situations. And I will say he was hungry. <laughs> he was a little hungry because he had swim practice right before this, but we're walking around. I'm like, buddy, do you want to eat this or this? Do you want to try this? And it's like yummy snacks and like food that you could just buy from like these different um, tents and stuff. And he just turns to me and he goes, I hate this. And that was like, for <laughs> Like a good moment in a way of like, that was like so yeah. communicative for him at the time. <laughs> yeah. like, good yeah. language. I'm so sorry. Yeah. But, and I also don't know if that was like a scripting thing or what, but like you could see in his eyes that he just wanted out of there. And I was like, oh, you don't want to be here at all. He hated that. And I was like, oh, I feel really crappy because all this time I've been trying to like push him out in public. Cause he's just been quiet, which I always thought was good. Cause like, you know, with our kids, it's like, you usually know when they don't like something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was like this quiet patience of like, I just got to get through this. And Mm -hmm. he was mad, but I was like, oh, stuff will pop up all the time. I'm like, oh, you don't like that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I think you have guilt about like meeting their needs in that sense. Like the guilt around. The decoding isn't just like games. It's like serious stuff. Like I haven't pooped in five days. It's like, like the decoding of all of these things. We were just talking earlier. If you read an FBA of Sealy's, which is a functional behavioral assessment, right? There's all this like parents said this and oh yeah blah, blah, like all this stuff. I hate that. <laughs> I know <laughs> when I they quote that. me, it's never but right. There's, there's one point that this was a long time ago. In fact, I think it was for like anxiety diagnosis. So it was pretty far back, and it, it says something to the fact that like we do not give her food. Okay, so it's some sentence like parents refuse to give food, <laughs> and when people read this sentence, they're like, oh. Like they have to ask 55 questions. I mean, it's like ringing bells for people. And I get that. What you don't get is that the reason we would say no to food is because we've gone through 55 questions before that. And she didn't want food. She, she'll say like, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. When really it needs a blanket. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm hungry. I, you know, Mm -hmm. really she's thirsty. I'm hungry. I want to go outside. Yeah. Like, I'm hungry, followed by eloping in boots. That means she wasn't hungry, folks. She was trying to get you in the pantry so that she could bail out the front door. Yeah. Whatever it is. Like, so- I just had that the other day with Nixon. He came home and he was mad. And he was like, you need to go to the library and get 
my library book. And I'm like, buddy, it's not library day. I can't go to the school and get your library book. Like I'm thinking it's the one he checks out every week. He's been gravitating toward this one book. Maybe some other kid checked it out. I don't know. I tried to ask further questions and he just kept harping on this. You need to go to the library and get my library book. And I was like, oh my God. So then I go to the parent teacher conference and they're like, have a book fair, it turns out. And so they took all the kids in to choose their books. And then you have to give them money to purchase the books. But he couldn't say to me, there was a, there's a book fair at school. I picked out my book. It cost $18. You know, he just was like, you need to go to the, because the librarian was the one hosting the book fair. So in his mind, that's where the library is now because the librarian is in the book fair room. So anyway, it was this whole thing and he had very strong feelings about it and you want to like understand and fix the situation and talk through it and try and figure it out further. But sometimes there's only one specific line that goes to that mind or thought process, which was you need to go to the library, get my library book. That's it. I bet somebody said, oh, your parents need to come or your yeah. parents can come. And somebody probably said that to him. So he's probably- Not like, to go off topic, but why wouldn't the school tell you he has a freaking book fair? They and probably- send, send they, the money in the lunch bag? They did it on the book fair app, but <laughs> you haven't downloaded that and it hasn't updated. 14 apps. There's 14 <laughs> apps for these effing places. Yeah, but you may surprise, like not fair. also to be off topic, but like, but with that stuff, that's a, I mean, that's my life. Like what you're yeah. just saying, yeah. Jesse will repeat something over again. Yes. Or he'll say this hurts or something. And I can't figure out. Yes. It. And I know obviously for like, for you, Kimmy and with Nora, it's like even 10 times harder when they can't say anything at all. And yeah. Little hints from what he's saying, which helps, but it's like, when you feel so guilty, you can't figure that out. But also the freaking school, like I've told the, the te- and I like my son's teacher a lot and she does write in his little book and stuff. But like, I'm like, I know nothing that happens in this building between 8 a.m. and 2 p.m. I don't know what's going on. He's not telling me. I don't know if he has gym. I don't know if he peed. I don't yeah. know if his lunch or just threw it in the trash. I don't know. Like you have to tell us these things, people. Yeah. Get them in big Sharpie. Book fair. Put yeah. The, <laughs> it is. And I, the frustration level goes, goes up with the, like, especially with North. So around this age is when Nixon started actually like speaking in some context. Majority of it was echolalia and scripting during this time frame. But he did have a lot more verbal language than Nora has at her age, almost four. I mean, she has very limited language and her frustration is skyrocketing because of that, because she knows what she wants to say. And then it's all, it, it, make, it breaks your heart to not know what she's wanting or how she's feeling or what she's pissed off about. Or, I mean, I can't even imagine being trapped in that circumstances. So the level of guilt around that is so 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 high it is so high yeah and now I have it where Alyssa is saying stuff but it's like because of the apraxia it's unclear or it's like not the letters that she's she's they can sometimes use the end letters in the beginning or they drop the beginning they drop the end so like if it's in context I can sometimes figure it out but when it's out of context and she just looks at me like I just said something lady and I'm like And it's like, I hate asking her to repeat herself. I, it's just, oh, it's awful. It's just, I just, and it's like, I'm always like, I want to understand her. So she'll keep trying and keep doing it. It's like, I don't want her to give up because we can't understand her. And then 
it makes me realize that she probably was doing this for a lot longer than we realized. We just didn't know that she was saying words because they didn't sound like words. But it's like yeah. kind of like when they start talking, you know, how like a mumble, a, they'll be like, yeah. oh, they said this, this, and this. And you're like, oh, they did. And then you can almost hear it. Like once you know what yeah. that's what she's saying, then you can hear it. Um, like we watched a movie yesterday and afterwards I was trying to ask her about it and I was like what movie did we watch and it was Cinderella and she was like saying the end of it but I thought she was saying Alyssa and then Lexi goes no mom she just said Cinderella and I'm like oh she did she said but if she just said that isolated like I would never figure it out it's not clear enough to be able to make the connection if if you don't know the context so it's it is so hard because I can't I get so frustrated if I try to tell somebody something and they don't understand what I'm trying to convey and I have language that frustrates me so I can't imagine like not being able to get it out how frustrating that must be like and it's no wonder why sometimes our kids get so upset because well I've seen it in Jesse where he is trying yeah trying to communicate and he is getting so frustrated like and he's angry at himself he's angry at whoever he's trying to communicate with yeah and it is heartbreaking like that's a huge part of guilt I think is like yeah I wish I just knew buddy I wish I, I know that. it's painful you know? it's really painful it's yeah. and it makes you feel like a, a failure yeah as a mother I mean it really just does because you can't meet the needs of your child because you don't know what they're saying no oh, yeah you you just never know if a thing is going to be a thing if a thing is going to like if it's beginning, if it's ending, if you're coming, if you're going, if she's hungry, if, I mean, like, what is it? And you you can start a thing out of nothing, like pulling the swimsuit out of the drawer leads to us asking to go to the pool for the next week and a half. Right. When are we going to the pool? When can we go to the pool? No, we are just, and by the way, like when you make a pool happen, it's not going to be the right shape. It's not going to be with the right people. It doesn't have the palm trees, like whatever the picture is that she wants, you know? yeah and a lot of times like Alyssa will get upset about something and it's like you don't know what it is yeah and she'll like point in the general direction and you're just like you're looking around you're looking up you're looking down like she started freaking out the other day my daughter Kara was here she started freaking out and I was like maybe she I think she's getting upset because you're leaving can you just sit back down for a few minutes and that wasn't it and she's pointing and we're trying to go through all the things but what happened was Kara had on Lexi's sweatshirt it was a Patriot sweatshirt that Lexi left in her car and Lexi's like, oh, you're here. Take it off. I want my sweatshirt back. So Kara took it off and gave it to her. Well, Alyssa made Lexi give it back to Kara and wanted it back on Kara and wanted Kara to leave with that sweatshirt on. Because <laughs> she I came mean, with it. Yeah, yeah, because she came with it. And like, she probably heard Kara, like Lexi be like, I, I don't know. It's like she, I think in some ways she makes more connections than we realize. But it's like, how would you know that? We're going through like, do this move this did somebody move exactly. this like trying to figure out what it is yeah and, um Lexi was like I she goes is it the sweatshirt she goes is it this and Alyssa nodded and signed yes and um she gave it back to Kara to see if it was and then that was it then she was fine and she's just yelling and like pointing like you know we're like yeah. okay like the other thing so hard. yeah that really is the one other thing that I didn't say earlier that I carry a lot of guilt about is that I think because of the level of energy that I have to put out to just maintain and like sometimes make it to the car or you know get the right snack or deal with these situations where you can't communicate with your kids some of the things I thought that I would be doing as a parent have dropped off 
mm-hmm. because it's almost impossible to be the idea of what like when I was a kid everybody got a homemade birthday cake you got to pick what you wanted it was at the first couple years Nixon had birthdays I made his cake from scratch you know was decorated to the nines and I wanted to carry that tradition through and now I'm like let's get the cupcakes with the stick in the top I mean that's all we got capacity for for that's just parenting Tabitha (laughs) just parenting there's a lot of things I said I was gonna do it's off the list so this is our guilt throwdown turns out guess what all mothers have it if you're carrying some guilt it's most likely because you didn't know what you didn't know at the time and also you can't do everything you can't do everything and you can't you can't change the past and you can do more if you fill up your tank like if you do figure out just a second to take care of yourself even if that's like a fresh bra like a hot cup of coffee the whole way through like self-care can be anywhere but it can turn like for me I feel like it can turn the guilt over well and just give yourself some grace because mm-hmm. we all feel like we're not doing enough and one of my favorite commercials I've ever seen was this I think it was Hallmark because it made me cry so most likely Hallmark but it was the view of the mom and what she thought about herself throughout the day and how she like got frustrated when the kids spilled the thing when they're making the stuff and and then it showed the view of the kid seeing all these lovely things that the mom was doing throughout the day and how hard she was trying so the view from our kids perspective is a lot different than how we beat ourselves up is what it boils down to be kind to yourself we can't do all the things that we try to do like we're trying to be a mom a wife a speech therapist an occupational therapist a behaviorist it's like we can't do all these jobs it's impossible to do so we're gonna fall short somewhere so maybe you're falling short being a therapist but you're being a great mom that day maybe you're not being a great mom but you're being a great therapist it's like you can't literally do 15 jobs at once and I, I think that's where a lot of the guilt comes from but I don't think that there's a whole lot um I think it's a crazy expectation that we put on us and we feel like society puts on just the parenting part because then you're like oh I didn't pick them a cake I didn't do this like I couldn't do this it's just way too much for one person to do give yourself some grace people guilt guilt we all have it and it's okay yeah I mean buy the store-bought cupcakes no one's gonna give it they taste just as delicious as the homemade food. Oh. <laughs> we almost so. made it. Just I mean, as long you as you remember the birthday. <laughs> yeah, you made it to the birthday party. Props to you. Yeah. If your kids have your shoes on, even better. So we'll catch no you shoes ne- on. <laughs> next time for storytellers from us. Big storytellers, uh, big feelings storytellers. So get ready. All right. Thank you, everyone. Bye. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for joining us at the table for this episode of the Table for Five No Reservations podcast. We have new episodes every Monday. If you'd like to become a supporter of our podcast, please check out the link at the bottom of this episode's description. Please make sure to follow, rate, and review us wherever you listen. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram for more content. We also now have a newsletter. Check the description for where to sign up. Thank you for sitting with us at the table. See you next Monday.